Good evening, listeners. It's Wednesday somewhere, and that means that you're listening to Spoiler Alert. Now, listeners, every once in a while we here at Spoiler Alert get a little stuck in a groove. Uh, some may call this a rut, but we feel like it's more like a, like a line of inquiry. Mm. Uh, as such, we have talked quite a bit about outlaws, mut- musketless katirs, <laughs> British men, costumes, hobbits, and of course, Hallmark. Um, and in all that time, we have yet to really ask ourselves, what you watching? <gasps> uh, uh, so tonight, I'm joined via Zoom teleconference by Sonia. Hello, Sanj. Ahoy, hoy. I'm good. And uh, this evening, we're going to catch up and just have a little one-on-one. Sean's off gallivanting around the city. Swashbuckling. Um, doing what he do. The, that He really got hit hard by that musketeer action. <laughs> like, he really... He really took to it in a way that I didn't think would happen. Put a but feather in his, in his hat and off he went. But basically. Um, so tonight we're going to do a, a, a nice little what you're watching. Because I don't think we've had a proper one since before Hobbits. Yeah, it's been a minute. Maybe. Yeah. Like, that's like 18 years of radio time. <laughs> that was in the third age. <laughs> Swap out your joke for mine. Your joke <laughs> no, for mine. love. They can coexist. I don't know. I thought yours was better. Anyway, uh, so we have one question tonight. We're going to talk about some stuff. Sanj, what you been watching? Oh, boy, Jer. Well, <laughs> the truthful answer is that uh, it's December. And so that means, of course, I've been re-watching <laughs> some of my mm-hmm. staples, uh, such Good. as Gilmore Girls. Good. I I was really sick for a couple weeks there, and I got through, yeah. like, an embarrassing number of seasons of Gilmore Girls in that time. Do you get into the new season? Do you watch that? Like, is that part of the of the watch? I've I've watched it once. Like, I watched it when I came out. When it came out, and I think, I think I will dip back this time. Okay, because anyway. I think I think that's the only full season of GGS that I've ever actually watched. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is depressing. Yeah, it's a whole and, other beast. And uh, I have seen a bit i still feel like i need to play it at 0.75 speed like it just hurts me and i I, like it's too quick but um i do wonder like as a show you go to for comfort why is it so sad yeah i know that is the thing like it, it it is weird for that to be a comfort um i think partly it's that i already know what's gonna happen and so it doesn't hit me as Mm -hmm. hard um but yeah i am really noticing the darkness and the sadness this time around like i'm like this is extremely dysfunctional anyway i wasn't even going to talk about it because i feel like we have talked about that show infinity times but the truth so the truth of the matter is there's a lot of re-watching happening um but one of the things that i have been watching that i would like for us to talk about because i think you've Mm -hmm. watched at least a little bit of it as well Mm -hmm. um is season two or part two of The Vow, which is mm-hmm. one of a couple of Nexium documentaries about uh, Nexium, which was a cult that claimed to be a like executive success program, like a business success program, very very much a cult, uh, run super by weird. one Keith Ranieri, who spoiler also alert, super weird, super weird, not a nice dude, is in nope. prison for the rest of his life, so. Mm-hmm. Um, prison should probably be abolished, except for him, is sort of, <laughs> <laughs> sort of my, my feeling. And after watching season two of The Vow, where they go through the trial and a lot of the really awful dark stuff that was revealed in the trial, um, it really confirmed that feeling for me. I, I am I am very surprised because I think we've talked about the season one on the show. Mm-hmm. And then there was another documentary, which I thought was a, actually a little bit better. That yeah. was a private one done by that Australian mom. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> Catherine enough. something. Yeah, I can't remember. Oxenberg? Um, yeah. Wow. But before, but before the credits, like before the opening credits were done on season two, I was immediately filled with rage mm-hmm. at remembering all of the stuff that happened before. And I think part of it, uh, well, one part of it is that I was pretty sure that multi-level marketing was involved somehow. And I don't know if I just added that in because I was upset or if it's actually true. No, it's true. Um, yeah. Okay. See, there it is. Um, but 
like it opens with their i guess next team is not a thing anymore so past president well there are some adherents who are still keeping it going and like mm-hmm. publishing Ooh. keith's thoughts from prison and that kind of stuff like Ooh. it is still kind of a thing and i think they okay. are still trying to get people so everyone listening i'm <laughs> i feel like cjtr listeners probably aren't in immediate yeah. danger but just saying if someone approaches you with something called esp executive success program or nexium it's bad just google keith Ranieri so and so bad um <laughs> But it is Nancy, the past president yeah. of the, the formal organization, yeah. the legal entity that was Nexium or still is, who knows. But um, it's immediately her talking about, like, it's not a cult and they're using the word cult to take power away from us and all this kind of stuff. And then later on, they have quite, they do quite a few times where they're just juxtaposing footage of like them, like walking out of the courthouse with other stuff that they've said in the past, which really, like, Mm -hmm. makes it something else. And I don't remember that from season one. But I am, like, immediately emotionally invested and filled with rage or laughing at them because of editing choices, like, purely out of that. Yeah. Uh, And uh, I just was like, you know, who's going out there being like, first of all, for point number one, not a cult. Yeah. Just so we're all basically as soon as any organization says that to you, that should be a little red flag in the mind. A hundred percent. Like, and to do it in such a professional way. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know. Yeah. It was like an official video that they made. But that's, I mean, that's the whole thing. Hey, like they, it was so strategic, so much that Keith mm-hmm. Raniere infused into the program, as they call it, or the curriculum, which again, <laughs> the technology, the curriculum. If you're hearing words like this in relation to like a business training program, mm-hmm. a little red flag should maybe go up. They, they kind of all do it, though. Oh, but yeah. But no one's yeah. asked me to call them Vanguard before. Well, That's yeah. Not- that's, that's not happened in my professional career. If people are wearing colored sashes around their necks and there's a dude who's in charge of it, I'll call Vanguard again. Red flag. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, there is some very sassy editing in this season mm-hmm. um, because the trial had like just started, if I'm not mistaken, when they filmed the first one. So all of the stuff from the trial mostly is in this season. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say like it does generally take a pretty hands-off approach in terms of like it doesn't really explicitly frame the material that it shows you like there's no narrator there's no specific point of view in theory and I think there are some things actually in season two that could have really benefited from some more framing and even or Mm. even just like have a cult expert come in and be like here's what this is or unpacking some things a bit there are some things that i'm like i don't know that the average layperson would actually get what's going on here without some explanation um Mm -hmm. but i would say some of those editing juxtaposition moments kind of spoke for themselves you know where someone Mm -hmm. would say something and then they'd basically like show you the exact opposite Yeah. yeah well and it it also like very early on becomes quite clear of like how much work they did beforehand Mm -hmm. like before there was any kind of legal anything about what happens when this goes to court like just having that mindset off the hop is just such a strange way to approach being a self-help group yeah (laughs) if that's what you want (laughs) to yeah again really says a lot yeah um but uh i still uh, wife of the show, Ellen got to see the face of Keith Raniere, mm. and it was just like a really moment, as it always ought to be, where you're just like, "That's the guy." Yeah. Like out of like that's the this is you know, this is the one who all this stuff is about. Like that's that's it, and it that's kind of always how it is. Yeah, it's so true. It's like so. It's like how people talk about like Ted Bundy being so handsome, and you're like sorry pardon like are we talking about the same guy and that's even like i feel like ted bundy had a lot more raw charisma than Mm -hmm. keith ranieri who was literally just like a small middle-aged man with ponytail and glasses 
Yeah, like at best a sexy Bill Gates. Like at absolute best. <laughs> I don't. I I think Bill could get it sooner than Keith. But oh, it, definitely. It really goes to show that like, A, he must have had that like specific charisma that comes with a certain psychological profile um, of a like master manipulator. And mm-hmm. also, I think it is really important to like, look at all of the different people who did get sucked in by him who come Mm -hmm. from you know all different walks of life and are all different kinds of people and they all were fooled and i think it like this is just one of those documentaries about a cult that really reminds you like you can sit here on the other side of your tv and judge those people all you want but at the end of the day Mm -hmm. any of us in the right circumstances could fall prey to that yeah well, and like, and again, you're 100% correct in hindsight, but like, like, oh, they're going to play basketball until late at night every single day. And he's like spouting his gospel towards them and yeah. they're all getting at most four hours of sleep. Oh, that's like a tactic to like build someone up. Like that's a whole thing. There's like yeah. b- books and like all these things about like, oh, that's what they used to do in the army before they figured out it was a horrible thing to do to mm-hmm. a person. But, uh, you know, when you're just playing basketball, like, we're just playing basketball. There's nothing behind this. Anyway, uh, it's making me mad now. So. Well, no, because it is infuriating. Like, he, he, was, he was such a diabolical manipulator. And some of the stuff that comes up in this season, which, like, you haven't watched the worst of it yet. And honestly, like, mm-hmm. I will say, I will caution listeners, like, basically, if you have any kind of trauma, trigger warning for this show. Because... It goes through some of the just absolutely horrendously depraved things that he did, including, like, grooming three sisters from the same family from the time they were preteens, one of whom he, like, locked in a room for two years. Anyway, it's really, really dark stuff, and it just is so infuriating, like, how many people he fooled into becoming complicit also is like one of the mm-hmm. things that I really was like reckoning with and watching it is like there are all of these people who are both victims and also perpetrators alongside him. Nancy Zaltzman being kind of the key one. Like I have not stopped thinking about her since I watched mm-hmm. this season because so Nancy Zaltzman was like really his like right hand gal. He She like ran the company itself Um, And they actually got her to talk to them for this docuseries. And really, the whole series is kind of like leads up to these moments where she's really being confronted with her complicity in things. But it's really hard to tell what is genuine remorse from her and what is her saying what she knows she should say to the cameras to sort of Mm. also like appease her own because in a way that kind of like makes her less guilty in a way right if she kind of like plays the victim and then like you know admits some of the stuff anyway Mm -hmm. it's wild it's just wild yeah well and we should also mention that the whole thing is made by uh i can't remember what's mark's last name okay so it's actually not this was not him no we were we were mistaken about this i was looking into this um what when Mark Mark Vicente, who was at yeah. one point like Keith's right hand guy, he did like all of their footage. He's a filmmaker, so it a lo- it's a, a lot of it is his footage, but he actually didn't have any involvement with the production itself, which I think does make a big difference in terms of my opinion on it. Yeah, because the 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 previous season, and that's kind of why I liked the other movie documentary better, because it didn't have like this like very like. The first season did have, like, a vibe of, like, here's the bad people and here's what happened. Yeah. You know, like, they... they Anyway, so I am interested to hear you, like, because you said it's not as clear this time. But uh, I thought I thought Mark was all over all over this Me thing. too. We were... This was something we took issue with with the first season because yeah. it really depicted some of those people who had left. We, mm-hmm. we, we felt like it was trying to only paint them as victims and not kind of recognize the ways in which they were complicit. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is interesting. Now, Mark is such an interesting figure to me. I went and listened to a few episodes of his podcast, actually. Um, and I don't think that he has fully deprogrammed himself from some of the ideas. Um, yeah. 
yeah, that's maybe all I'll say about that at this point. But like, he's mm-hmm. a very interesting person, and he has some interesting ideas still. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Well, I wonder because I did feel like in the first season, a lot of his like he he has these like very large reactions to things. One of which is sort of like a pivotal moment near the end of season one, and it did kind of like I wondered if it was like for the camera as he thought mm-hmm. he was like making this thing. But now that you tell me he is not, then, huh. I know. I know. (laughs) It changes things. Hmm. Hmm. Well, okay. Interesting song. But yeah. Keep watching. Keep watching for sure. The one thing I want to say is, like, for anyone who is going to watch it, that the thing that I feel like they didn't address enough is how the manipulation and the abuse was baked into the program. Um, that's something that Nancy says several times throughout the season is like, but no, but the program was good and it worked and it helped people. Um, there may be a few people out there who were somewhat helped by this in some way, but Mm -hmm. it was at its very core manipulative and abusive technology. Um, and there's one episode in particular where they talk about the quote unquote Tourette's study where they claimed that they had cured Tourette's and, that's the episode I think I took issue with the most because it did not unpack the way they just forced people to basically repress their tics. And Mm -hmm. it actually, in a way, like ties in a lot of really toxic stuff from mainstream psychology. And I think that's actually part of the reason they didn't necessarily unpack that all the way because anyway, it's a whole broader thing. But (laughs) if anyone wants Mm -hmm. to talk about this, send us a message on Instagram. I could talk about it for literally forever. But it's it's the whole thing of, like, basically what he did was build something mm-hmm. as a tool that he could, like, almost sell to people without, like, that's literally what it was. Yeah. So, like, it made them think that they wanted to do, like, like it was a thing they were entering into yeah. uh, on multiple levels in very strange ways, each one getting, like, more and more intense with, like, you as a person, your money, then eventually mm-hmm. your body. Like, it just kept going. And, like... It is sort of this, like, ultimately very clever package. Like, that's what he did. And I remember, like, watching the first season and people talking about, like... Because this also comes up with... um, uh, What was the... What's the Scientology movie with Leah Remini that they produced? Um, Because they they talked about how the system, like hooks you in or rejects you because of these various tools yeah but people buy into it in a way that they don't realize that that's what the tool is exactly yeah so and i think he i think he intentionally did like adapt a bunch of stuff from scientology oh for sure and like super super weird yeah (laughs) very uncomfortable but oh man anyway nexium Mm -hmm. man it's wild yeah you're uh, you're listening to the vow on next season. <laughs> <Yeah. Sam>. uh, <laughs> AKA my brain. <laughs> no, uh, we're, t- we're we're talking about what you're watching shows. Uh, now we have to switch to something more different than I don't even know how to segue into. We all know we all know what it is, but I want to talk about it for a few minutes. Uh, and that's of course Star Wars. Star Wars is on my list two times this episode. Wow. Uh, you know this thing happens to me, Sanj. I hope it happens to you, too, because I do like it. And it's where you're, like, into a thing for two months. And it's even better when you're not into the thing and a thing brings you into the thing. Mm -hmm. That makes sense? Yeah. Uh, I have ADHD, so that's sort of my whole life. It's like two months of intense hyperfixation and then move on. Well, maybe I got it, too, bro. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I would like to talk about uh, what Disney has done with uh, it's it's new hit show. I don't know if it's a hit show and or um, which I, I will say is very good. Uh, and I think it's probably I think it's good for Star Wars, but I think it's also just a good show. Mm. And I don't think like I don't think Obi-Wan Kenobi is that like if, if it's good for Star Wars, but it's not a good show. Like, mm, you know, mm-hmm. like if that makes any sense. It does. Uh, um, they kind of just made three movies and rammed them together. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, they took a lot of risks, uh, which are is also a good thing. There is a performance by Andy Serkis in the third, the third part, the, the second part, I guess, the fourth part, I don't know, of this show. <laughs> 
And it is so incredible that, like, I was actually surprised. And it's not like there's no makeup. He's just in a suit. He's just a Star Wars dude who yells at prisoners. Like, that's his whole deal. (laughs) Yeah. And he, like, he might be one of my favorite actors right now. Wow. And I, I literally, every episode that he was in, I was like, first of all, you're kind of surprised because you don't, ex- you don't expect to see Andy Circus, you know, like you don't like, like he's, he's there, but he's a monkey. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's the, anyway, um, he did such a good job. And then I'm like sitting there thinking like, well, what else has he been in? And like, he was in the Marvel thing and he was okay. There's a dude without an arm or something. I don't know. Anyway, I wonder if like the new Disney model is let's make a show and a a movie, whatever. And we're going to put all of these baby characters in it that you might like, you might not like. And then we're going to watch the show and then we're going to see what the most response is. And it's like, everyone really liked this robot. Robot gets a show. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think that's what's happening. Anyway, I would like to put all my chips down for the Andy Circus show uh, where it's about a prison guy who can't swim. And like part of it doesn't make any sense. Part of it is really compelling. I don't know how we got to 2022 where Andy Circus might be one of the best actors. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Listen, don't, we're don't in a how... weird timeline. We were talking about this before the show. And I love it. I love that. I love that that's part of it. (laughs) That we're like, huh, have I, have I been overlooking? Because I think everyone agrees that Gollum was incredible. Yeah. And that we all enjoyed that. And that he did a really good job. We're all surprised when he kind of like doesn't sound like that and looks a lot cooler. (laughs) Yeah. In real life. You know, like all these, these different things. Um, But uh I still, like, I have rewatched those episodes. Star Wars is getting into, like, colonization of indigenous land Good, a bit. Love that. And, like, it's as dirty as it ought to be. You know, like, like all these things. It's like, okay, like, what? Huh. What okay, am I really, watching? You're really selling me on this, Jer. I've been it's meaning to watch of... it, so I think I will. And it's like, it's pretty good. I don't think that they like go where they need to go. But the fact that they're even like close is kind of an interesting thing. And uh, it is kind of like a, 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 there's some stuff in Star Wars that you just sort of gloss over because it's sad. You know, like the the repression of an entire galaxy is a sad thing. Yeah. And uh, usually it's just in the scroll text and we keep on a trucking, you know, (laughs) like it's not a bad, it's not a bad thing. But, uh, like, in Andor, it depicts, like, a riot against these Imperial people, and it's pretty, it's pretty awful, like, mm-hmm. it's pretty gruesome, and uh, that's probably kind of what would happen, you know, like, as these stormtroopers punch people and do stuff to them, uh, but in a fun, uh, f- fun and entertaining way. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> well, because it's, like, it's a spinoff of Rogue One, right? Um, it's a prequel to a Rogue prequel. One. Okay, yeah. Yes, and I, yeah, because that makes sense to me. Because I feel like Rogue One is the most that of all the movies. Like, yeah, that's part of the reason it's one of my favorite Star Wars things. Is that I uh, feel like it, like the politics are more real. Mm-hmm. And I, I rewatched it because it did just sort of fit in. Like I couldn't mm-hmm. remember it. I'd seen it once, I think, and it was better than I remember. And I think that I was just kind of mad. I don't really like the lead actress. So I remember like being really <laughs> resistant to it. Um, Classic. Classic you know, Star Wars fan. That's what it is. It's um, a woman. I'm just kidding. No, not that. I know, I know. It was just like, uh, yeah. No, she, ha- I get, I get it. Yeah. Well, it, and I it was developing this theory about like, we'll put in all these interesting characters. And if you like one, we'll keep doing something, mm-hmm. you know, like that sort of thing. Um, and there are like Forrest Whitaker makes a couple of appearances and like, Giving him a bit more screen time is kind of cool. Yeah, I love that. He's a little unhinged, which I really like. Definitely when, love know, that. So like, um, also, um, Stellan Skarsgård, and another amazing performance. Like, an absolutely stellar performance. And he's kind of like a few characters because mm-hmm. he's a spy mm-hmm. dude. And um, it's a, like a little bit of insight maybe into like how he approaches characterization. 
and it's just like, dang, like this dude can act. Like he is just <laughs> flexing every muscle he has right now. This guy, this guy uh, can act. Oh my gosh, they all well, they all really can. But um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I think the lesson here is that if you like Star Wars, please watch it. And I think we may be coming to a time where Star Wars will branch, and we will get more episodes of R two D two and C three PO Droid Adventures for mm-hmm. children to watch. And I will get more episodes where they like maybe like a little closer each time. Like, oh, okay, well, like now we're going to show the torture scene instead of just imply it. Mm-hmm. Like where it just sort of like keeps leveling up. But uh, Sonya, the Emperor's a bad dude. <gasps> what? Imperialism like, is bad? A, is this what you're telling yeah, me? Yeah, like it's just not a it's just not a thing that's good or really that anyone should be into <laughs> as I've learned from Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. And no real world examples that are happening right now. Not not that I can think of, certainly. Uh, and with that, <laughs> uh, let's take a bit of a break. Uh, we're talking about watching stuff on Spoiler Alert on 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina Community Radio, tuned into the community. Welcome back to Spoiler Alert. Uh, we're talking about things that we've watched today, gripes we have with people and things and systems that are exist around us. Um, we're going to keep talking about stuff we watched, at least, for sure. Um, but before we do that, Sanj, do you mm-hmm. know what time it is? Uh, it's currently 8.48 p.m. It's game time, Sanj. <gasps> well, 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 well. Oh, you messed some people up with that 8.48. It's pre-recorded. Anyway, that's <laughs> oh, going to be yeah. great. Uh, <laughs> For those who don't know if you're just tuning in, the game is where I spend, it was actually like quite a bit of time this week, looking for a title related to our topic that hopefully Sonya this week has not seen. Uh, Sonya needs to come back from an epic loss that happened oh a few my, weeks ago. Don't bring it up. I'm still mad. <laughs> I feel it was a sham. O- now is her opportunity to get some points. Oh boy. Sonya, are you ready to play the game? I guess so. I'm scared. This week's title is Creeper World. That title again. <laughs> Creeper World. Creeper World. Okay. Now, see, the thing is, you've you by saying that you ignited my inner uh, competitiveness. That's what I. And so there's a part of my brain that's like, should I actually try and guess what I think this is about? I think you should. I think. I think Sean's. I think Sean's not here to defend his title, and you should. I should just go for it. it. Yeah. The problem is the thing that I think it might actually be about is something I don't really know about. Well, let's dive in. Okay, so I think Creeper World is a children's show mm-hmm. uh, based on the creepers from Minecraft, which are yeah. those green dudes, green pixely dudes. Yep. And it's just about what they get up to and their fun adventures. Uh, you'd think that they'd be the villains, but actually it's, it's a kind of a wicked situation. Where it's like, you thought you knew the story of the Creepers, but here's the truth. So that's what I, th- that's what I think Creeper World is about. Uh, okay, well, thank you. Thank you so much, Sanj. Um, uh, you are unfortunately wrong in all ways, shapes, and forms. I see, I see why you went that route. I see why you went that route. Um, but uh, this is, of course, the What You're Watching show, so I have had to lean into things I have been watching. Uh, well, I thought you might be watching it with the child. I could. That's a good. That's a fair thing. And I was watching with the child. That did happen. So I mean, that this, that's a good thing. Um, but I did have to trick you, uh, and for that I feel bad. So it was a trap. It was did probably I... a trap. Yeah. Uh, Creeper World is a tower defense, real time strategy video game developed by Knucklecracker. Uh, the player must survive the onslaught of titular blue mass known as the Creeper. Uh, which is rises up in the playing field and attempts to destroy my base of operations. Um, Creeper Creeper World, uh, namely Creeper World 4, is a really fun game on Steam that I play for like 15 to 20 minutes a day as I uh, fend off the evil uh, bluish-purple Creeper from my, from my base. There's also a really cool mode that a lot of people have released with mods where you play as the Creeper, which I might even <gasps> be playing a lot more. Um, and it's fun because it comes from space and it's a little bit scary. Um, but, uh, reliably, this is probably the thing that I watched most in the past four months. <laughs> Love that for you. Thank you. I'm sad so that much. I didn't even get the color right. It's okay. It's kind of like a blob thing. Um, it's pretty fun if you're into, like, tower defense games that, like, really, 
not tower defense. If you're into like real time strategy games that like are pretty chill, mm-hmm. Creeper Creeper World Four, Creeper World Four. Um, they also have the other ones are like top down. They're pretty fun. Used to be on like Flash back in the mm. day, and now they've like leveled up to Unity. Anyway, uh, Sonya, thank you for playing the game. Thank you, Jer. Thank we're, you. We're all we're all better for it. Um, today we're talking about what we've been watching because we haven't talked about that for so long. Sonya, what else have you been watching? Okay, I'm really excited about this one. Sweet. This is a recent discovery I made, courtesy of TikTok. Thank you, TikTok. Um, bummer about the whole surveillance state business, but you do be serving some good content. What is what's uh, that? What is, <laughs> never mind. We let's not bring the Chinese government into this. Okay. Um. <laughs> anyway, remind me, Jerry, are you a Bob's Burgers person? Ish. Not as Ish. much as okay. I think I should be, but uh, mm. it's it's a big time commitment, and I just haven't gotten there. That's fair. Uh-huh. Um, that's fair. Honestly, the character Gene reminds me of you a little bit sometimes. If you were like a, a like hilarious, gross eleven year old boy, um, but I'm not talking about Bob's Burgers. What I'm talking about is another show from some of the same creators mm-hmm. that some would say is just a different version of Bob's Burgers set in Alaska called The Great North. Ooh, um, this premiered last year and I was like, how have I not heard of this? But basically it, uh, centers on the Tobin family. Uh, so Beef Tobin is a single dad played by Nick Offerman, uh, who lives with his children, uh, Ham played by, by Paul Rust, Wolf played by Will Forte, um, Moon played by Aparna Nancharla, one of my favorite comedians, and then his daughter, Judy, <laughs> played by Jenny Slate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, his his adult son, Wolf, his fiance is played by Dulce Sloan, who's another really great comedian who I think is very underrated. Um, and it's just about their like very wholesome, silly adventures living in a remote town in Alaska and being a little sweet uh, single parent family. And it has a lot of the same, I would say, like energy as Bob's Burgers. Like it's the same kind of like, 12 jokes a minute format um every character you're just like i'm rooting for this family so hard like it just like gives you the warm fuzzies but it's also very silly and fun um yeah would would highly highly recommend nice that looks awesome does it make does the whole hulu because disney plus bought hulu is that correct is that how that happened no idea okay i think that's what happened because I think there's a lot of this Hulu content that has moved. It also mm. it happened from um, Solar Opposites as well. They talked about it in the show, which I thought was funny. Um, but uh, does it make you? Is it weird that this is on Disney Plus? Like, kind that, of, yeah. Like, like isn't it? I don't know. It sounds really fun, and it sounds not like a Disney thing. Yeah, because I think it's a Fox show, maybe. And I think they have all the Fox stuff through, like, stars or something. But maybe it is Hulu. I don't know. It's the insane media landscape that we live in where yeah. it's just, like, all these big companies. Who owns what? I'm going to Google it. But I'm pretty sure because Disney bought Fox, except for Okay, news. well, that's They <laughs> dropped the news part of Fox. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's <laughs> Which, like, great. I mean, win-win, yeah. really. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's owned by Walt Disney Company. Gosh, that's terrifying to read. Just, I'm just looking at this list of subsidiaries. Yeah, <laughs> ah. yeah. Uh, monopolies are fine, inside. though, right? What's monopolies that? are monopolies. Nothing bad's ever happened when giant companies monopolize things, right, Jay? I mean, I mean, so far we're going okay. Uh, yeah. So right, <laughs> yeah, everything's good. Things are good. Things uh, are really good, and that's why it's important to have shows like The Great North to watch that to, warm your heart. There we go. I'll check it out. That looks really fun. You should. Also, oh, one really fun thing is that um, Judy is 16 and her, her, her imaginary friend is a big um, Northern Lights Alanis Morissette in the sky. And uh-huh. Alanis Morissette actually plays herself. And that I just think that's perfect. that's great that they got her to do that. Nice. I mean, if I were her, I would say yes, but that's just... Yeah, me. same. It was a good <gasps> call, I think. <laughs> right on. Uh, speaking of the child and shows I do watch with the child... Uh, you already know what's coming. The world knows what's coming, but we do have to talk about it. And that is the amount of Bluey that I have been watching. Oh, 
Um, so cute. <laughs> so first of all, uh, for those who don't know, I'm just going to give a quick a quick yeah. Google search here because I actually don't know what year it came out in. Um, but Bluey is a 2018 um, oh. animated show from Australia. It is about a world of dogs. They're all dogs Best in the world. world. The people, yeah, yeah. Like, not on, like, BoJack Horseman, but a lot more mm-hmm. lighthearted and fun. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, it's, just, it's just BoJack Horseman for kids. Yeah, basically. Uh, whoa. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's, that took me to a dark place for a minute there. Cautionary tale. <laughs> uh, anyway, it is about um, Bluey and Bingo, who are two Blue Healer children, and their parents, let me see if I can get this right. Um, oh man, what's the, what are their dog's names? I can't remember. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, but it's about them playing and existing in their lives 10 minutes at a time. Uh, it's very fun. It's incredibly heartwarming. I think it was meant as a, like, an educational video as to how to act with your children. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of getting to the point where it's like, Maybe annoying at how good of parents these people, these dogs are. Um, and like these dogs think they're better parents than me. Well, and it's to the point where like, like, like we're missing work to play make believe, and like obviously this cannot happen, right? Like there's no way. Um, no. But but uh, oh, that's why I can't remember. They're called they're called mum and dad. They have real. Yeah, names, I was thinking but they that. Never use them. Uh, anyway, um, it it is really fun. Uh, the child really loves it. It is incredibly charming. It is so funny. Some of the things that they depict are so real, and like I sympathize with so much that I like I can like I can see parts of myself in the dad, and he just does stuff that's like kind of awesome, but really hilarious, ultimately inappropriate, that whole sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of weird how they've just captured dadness. In such a way, mm. like they like they really have just um, I think they're like 10 minute episodes and I think each episode takes like six months to make because wow. of the way that they write. And like they're putting all this work into everything, right? Like this whole thing. Um, they have all these child voice actor actors who are not allowed to be credited. So no one knows who they are. Oh, that's really yeah. interesting. Uh, and I think that they change the voice of the kids sometimes. Like, I don't think Bluey's the same little girl every time. Mm. Um, and it is just, like, kind of, like, snippets and stories of, like, probably moments that these creative people have had with their kids and, mm-hmm. like, done. From what I understand, it kind of got, like, canceled and it wrapped and was done. And then it got famous in North America, so now they're kind of back. Like, that mm. is basically what's happened. Um, it is really I don't know. It's really cool and fun. Uh, huge range of emotions in terms of like, there's one episode where Bluey meets this other dog when they're camping and he's French, so they can't really talk. So they like interact as children do. And it's really fun. And then um, she says like, see you tomorrow. And he's trying to explain that they're leaving. And uh, the next morning he's gone and it's like kind of sad. And then every once in a while we see like a 10 year time jump and they're teenagers and she goes back to the tree they planted, and like he comes back and says hi, end of episode, and like some oh my people God, tear that, up. Just, that gave me goosebumps. It, it it's really good. It's like it's like a really good show. Uh, I think it's kind of like an incredible moment in like animation realism in mm. terms of like they're just trying to make you feel something and like convey whatever kind of thing. Um, if you let your kids watch it. They will want to play all the games they play on Bluey. And sometimes it is not possible. <laughs> like, it is just not a thing that we can, we cannot commit a day's worth of resources to building a fort. Like, it's just not a thing we can do. Yeah. Um, but it is like, I don't know, it's fun to think about. And then, Sanj, every, every time I think I'm out, they kind of drag me back in. When the dogs sleep, they puppy dream. So they oh. act like humans all the time, but when they sleep, they act like dogs. And, yeah. like, it's just, it's so fun and charming. And, uh, like, if you need a comfy watch and you're embarrassed about being an adult watching Bluey, I don't think you have to be. It's pretty it's pretty charming. 
And I think you will see, like, people you know and people you care about in these characters. And uh, it's just real good. Like, it's just good. Cute. It's just a good show. Um, there's a lot of Bluey. <laughs> there's, like, 150. <laughs> there's 150 Blueys. Yeah, but they're little. They are little, but that's still a lot of blueies. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but kids like to watch things on repeat, so we just cycle, cycle through. Kids and I have that uh, in common. <laughs> but uh, anyway, bluey, it's good. Bluey. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> I feel like the thing I'm about to say next that I've been watching, you could not guess in a million years, and okay. it could not be more opposite to bluey. It's bluey. Um, Jer, have you ever seen the movie Grizzly Man? <laughs> Uh, yes. (laughs) Okay. I just watched it this week for the first time. This is a documentary, but honestly, like, is it actually a documentary from 2005? Um, It's Werner Herzog, isn't it? Yeah. I I did forget. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So that's why I say, like, it's just sort of him telling a story that he wants to tell, which is why I say it's not exactly a documentary Mm -hmm. about this person timothy treadwell who was a very unwell person who for 13 years every summer would go out to katmai national park in alaska and um hang out with bears much too close to them now can i just say this is a a, like silly and specific thing that i was very hung up on the whole time it is called grizzly man and they call them grizzly bears throughout the entire documentary but these are actually not grizzly bears. They're coastal brown bears. And I know you're probably saying to yourself, that sounds like kind of an arbitrary biological distinction. And it is, but it is a biological distinction nonetheless. So grizzly bears are the bears that live more inland. They don't live on the coast and they have a different diet. Coastal brown bears live on the coast and subsist on fish. Uh, Sonia, which is a big, may, yeah. May I interrupt you for a moment? Yeah. You are... 100% justified in mm-hmm. your anger and that that is very distracting for this yeah. whole thing and I cannot believe they let this go ahead without a quick Wikipedia well I do wonder I wonder if maybe this distinction was made after 2005 because there's literally a biologist in the movie and he calls them grizzlies and I'm just sitting there being like sir and the reason I know this is because I think I talked about this earlier this year. One of the hyperfixations that I've stumbled upon recently is the bear cans uh, at actually the exact same national park, Katmai National Park. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I have learned a lot about these bears (laughs) through this hyperfixation and watching the bear cams. Like, I'm like, sir, I've spent hundreds of hours watching these bears live. I know what they are. Anyway, all that being said, Grizzly Man does sound better than Coastal Brown Bear Man. Um, so I get that, but so basically this man went out into the wilderness, got much too close to the bears, had this whole narrative that he was like protecting them from what no one's really sure because poaching literally isn't a problem in that area and they're ginormous bears. They can sort of take care of themselves. Um, and in fact, and so spoiler alert in the fall of 2003, as literally anyone who, heard this story could guess he was eaten very violently by bears and also his girlfriend was as well which is very sad because she didn't want to be there um and Werner Herzog though with this movie is really trying to do a whole like Timothy Treadwell reveals a deeper truth about humanity and finding meaning in your surroundings like he's like trying to make it this like deep artful thing that I honestly just don't think it is like this man it's just evolution in action like and in fact this man to me is a villain because he was responsible for the death of at least two bears directly they shot the two bears that ate them um and also uh, anecdotally he like desensitized a bunch of bears in the park to human contact and so there are all these stories that there are at least like 10 other bears who ended up being shot because they became too accustomed to being around humans mm-hmm. and so like i guess that there is sort of a like i don't know deep narrative irony in that that like he 
depicted himself as this like protector of the bears but in fact was like a danger to them but that's not even the angle that Herzog is taking and so it's kind of just like I don't know what sir like <laughs> Werner what are you what's what are you doing <laughs> that's my feeling about it have you uh, seen it I I, I think I did because this is from like 2005 yeah this is from a long time ago um I remember watching it I think it was at like kind of like a film party where it was on mm -hmm. and like maybe we looked and like all shouted there may have been a bear related drinking game i cannot recall <laughs> yeah. um i'm into that <laughs> but um it is like i do think that this thing happens i do think it happens especially with werner where he does like sensationalize a story that he's yeah. into and i think it's the you know the danger of being a storyteller and like honing in on a thing that's maybe maybe not the best thing to focus on yeah and i you know it's like it's an incredible story and yeah like that's the thing it is super compelling and it is like he filmed timothy treadwell filmed himself for the mm -hmm. last three summers so most of it is his own footage which is deeply compelling mm -hmm. but it's still just like a fun like i think there are fundamental human uh, reactions to things like yeah, giant animals with big teeth. <laughs> and uh, I think bears just are, at least in North America, at the top of the list of, like, the thing that you do not deal with. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know, I, I don't know how to deal with a lot of wilderness situations, but I do kind of know how to deal with some bear things. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe don't in that go, moment... Don't go to their house. Yeah, maybe in that moment <laughs> Get out I'll in their business. one or two. Um... <laughs> But have you ever been around when, like, there's a bear sighting and you're camping? Have, has that yeah. ever happened to you? And it's yeah. just, like, everyone get inside immediately. Like, like do not even engage with this thing at all. Mm -hmm. Because it's a bear. But, okay, see, this is the thing. Like, maybe, maybe, maybe Vernon was right because I do get it. Like, I find bears so extremely lovable and cute. Mm -hmm. It's that thing where it's, like... If dangerous, why friend-shaped? Because, like, they are at once both deeply terrifying, but also so adorable and mm -hmm. beautiful. Like, literally, teddy bears are a thing, yeah, you know? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I think there is, like, an allure to, like, mm -hmm. I think we're pre predisposed to liking furry animals. True. Because, like, like there's the whole uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson evolved with wolves thing, which I still think is fascinating. Mm -hmm. And, like... He's just like, this is why we like them. Like, that's it. This is, yeah. this is it. This is why we like dogs and cats and all these things. And I think it, I honestly think it extends to bears and tiger kings. Oh, yeah. Any, any mammal. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I mean, on, well, not any mammal. I think possums are gross. Well, that's your opinion, man. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> I love like, a possum. Wife of the show is all over a sloth. Oh, uh, a sl and... I saw a sloth in, when I was in Montreal at the Biodome. I did too. I yeah. lost my a, poop. Amazing. It's quiet. I was so excited. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but um, <laughs> let's just list some more mammals we like. <laughs> what are other mammals we like? Right. I mean, pandas are pretty dope. Yeah. Um, dolphins are pretty dope. Yeah. Not furry. See, and I those mean, ones aren't even furry, and we're like, yeah, we got that. We got that bond. And they're forever. honestly pretty evil in some ways. Like dolphins do some dark stuff. Yeah. Well, they're, they're like people, right? Like it's like a, that's true. You know what? Like, You're it's right. Just like yeah, like that's the. And uh, anyway, <laughs> next, next week on Spoiler Alert, a intelligent animal. Uh, we sort of already did that, I guess. Mm -hmm. Did we? I don't know. Not anthropomorphic non-human societies. Yeah, no, but I mean like like yeah, octopi, okay. you know, like those. Oh, my octopus too. teacher. Watch that one. That's well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I do think this just is a case of like someone who is a good storyteller. Like, mm -hmm. latching onto a thing and making something, which is good. But you always wonder if, like, at the end, it just has to have a title card that's like, hey, y'all, don't mess with bears. Like, yeah. like educational tip. This man was trying to get closer to nature. He technically succeeded. You know? Yeah, like, he got, like, this is, oh, he got this close. This is the outcome. You know, <laughs> he got like as, this... as close as you can get <laughs> So inside of it. So Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, anyway, real quick, normally I would... I would do a what you're watching, uh, but we're already talking about what you're watching. <gasps> uh, anyway, wife of the show and I did get sweeped up 
in what I will call the Brendan Frazier storm. Mm-hmm. And it occurred to us to rewatch The Mummy. And hot, hot darn, like, it's just a good, it's just a, a good movie. Super problematic uh, watching it years later. Whole bunch of stuff they didn't get right. Whole bunch of stuff that they just, like, really phoned it in for. It really is hard to watch something that is, at the same time, like, very good. Mm-hmm. That depicts women in a very poor way you know like it's just like we're getting to the point where like i'm really happy we have this awareness of it now and sometimes you go back and you find something that's like huh like they actually did some work here and it's kind of benefiting from that uh mummy is not the case of that but it's still really fun like it's just like it's a good adventure movie and uh um how do you feel about brendan being back Sanj? oh i'm here for it I think he deserves nothing but the best. I have complicated feelings about his movie, The Whale, which is like part of Mm -hmm. what's precipitated this whole event. Maybe we'll talk about it during our like year in review show at the end of the year because I might try and get some eyes on it. Um, But I just think he seems like the actual sweetest, most wholesome person. Like I feel like I've seen a few pieces online of like, him getting interviewed by someone or just like even like just seeing his reaction when the whale got like the 18 minute applause or whatever it can um he just seems genuinely so touched and moved and like a really good person and i've i've loved him like i just think he's great (laughs) yeah no i want to i'm ready to see more of his work uh and like everyone i'm kind of excited for this scorsese situation that's coming um because i guess they like made the part a bit bigger because he just like was doing such a good job and i want eyes on that anyway as per usual we're all out of time i'd like to give a shout out to the garys for the use of our theme song manatuna my co-host sanj everyone here at cjtr and to you our listeners spoiler alert is broadcast live wednesdays at 6 p.m rebroadcast fridays at 3 do not pay attention when we say a time on the show and is available as a podcast on cjtr's website we're on Twitter at SpoilerAlertYQR and Instagram at SpoilerAlertCJTR. If we time this out right, My Electric is coming up next. See you next week. Bye. Bye.